You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Hello once again, and welcome back to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. My name is Jordan Lowe. I'm Cliff Barnes. Seth. I have a microphone. <laughs> we hope sweet. We hope our audio is a little bit clearer this episode. Cliff broke quarantine to bring me a microphone, so. Gave him a shave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We groomed each other because we hadn't, <laughs> hadn't done that in a while. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the quarantine is over. We're all back to work. Yeah, yeah. Boy, it's like I never left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are still zooming, so we are still responsibly social distancing. So we're still going to have awkward pauses between our conversations that we're going to talk over each other. That cannot be fixed. Stop asking about it. Yeah. I do it in real life now. <laughs> well, we also lost we've lost uh, several people, famous people here recently. But I feel like... One, I think... I was gonna, I there was... we go. Got it. <laughs> get the first one out of the way. <laughs> I feel like people are... Like, every day when I get up and get on any social media there's like a new celebrity death like we we just did a star wars episode and we didn't even mention that night and the the pink shorts man the famous pink shorts man the boom operator from 1976 he died can't believe it can't believe we didn't bring that up <laughs> always times in threes <laughs> Threes, sixes, nines, twelves. Well, the one nearest and dearest to my heart, uh, I'm not sure. We, we won't spend a ton of time on this because it, it didn't seem to uh, elicit much traction. responses from our patron group. Uh, Mr. Fred Willard, comedic legend Fred Willard, passed away at the age of 86. Yeah, sure did. Not, you know, the movie star, but a crucial supporting member of tons of stuff he has 313 credits according to imdb uh worked steadily from 1966 his first thing and he to coming out soon space force on netflix he's he's in every episode of that so Hmm. has been working in the industry forever born in shaker heights ohio and just a genius improviser and just improved. I said, maybe he's not a star, but he improved everything he was in was improved by Fred Willard being in it. Right. Yeah. I, um, I knew he was getting up there in age the last couple years or so on, on modern family. And then they had actually killed his character off. He played Phil's dad, um, on that show. I forgot that. I forgot he, yeah, they had actually had, then they had a funeral episode and everything for him. Um, I, I think this last season, but uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I I just listened to uh, 
whenever someone dies, uh, if you ever listen to the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, he, whenever someone dies, he will play the last time that he interviewed them or, you know, if he has, and he had interviewed um, Fred Willard in 2012. So I listened to that yesterday. Just, uh, you know, my little time capsule, just him recounting his, you know, life. And he was, he mentioned, like you said, he grew up in Cleveland and he, uh, he said it back before it was the mistake on the lake. It was the, Oh, oh forget how I said it, it was the loca It was the location to be in the nation, you know? So it was just like, it was <laughs> Cleveland was a big deal, but you know, yeah. Back in the day, there was only so many big cities, but it was a hotbed of industry there for a while yeah. after after World War II. Yeah. Any, anyway, it was a it was a nice interview, and him just recounting a lot of the things he'd done in his life. And, and Jimmy Kimmel also did an entire episode basically for him. Um, he Fred Willard was a guest on there for a lot of years. Did anytime he did a comedy bit, he brought him on to play all kind of silly characters and stuff. And he had some real heart heartwarming stuff to say and talked to some of his friends. And uh, Ty Burrell from Modern Family was like on the brink of tears talking about that. And he described it so well of like he was naively like every character he played was very naive and earnest, but very, very dumb. Mm -hmm. And like he, he was just positive and wanted to go and learn and get out there and do stuff, but was just always bad at it. So it was like he had he had that good natured idiocy kind of a thing, and if you think of modern family, that is the father. That's modern. That's modern family. That's the dad. Mm -hmm. He said he modeled his he modeled his comedy on that, and that that is exactly what his character is, Phil, in Modern Family. That's what he's what uh, Fred was saying in the interview I listened to was how he he always played a character that was like the opposite of him. He he always played this guy that was just willing to try anything and was just. You know, very earnest like that. And he's like, I he, in his real life, he's like, I'm worried about everything. <laughs> he's like, I play someone who's worried about nothing. You know, so. Well, so my we, uh, uh, my my first introduction into Fred Willard was on on Nick at Night, um, in the old Fernwood Tonight television show so now this is something comedians it's like a cult classic comedians loved and worshipped but i had no experience with it it's like a mockumentary about a talk show is that the idea right yeah um it had uh richard richard mall and and he played the fred willard played the sidekick martin martin mall martin mall sorry what i say richard richard <laughs> okay I met, I met martin mall he was a he was from Cleveland, up around that area too. Yeah. He was a big Browns fan, if I, you know. So I'm just putting two and two together here. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that yeah. that's going to lead us into our uh, our first topic of the night. We haven't done one of these for a while. A one job. One job forever? Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? You tosser. You had one job to do. So, there are many uh, hits for Fred, and you put a poll up, Jordan. What were some of the highlights? I did, to our patron group. 
Um, we didn't have 100% voter turnout, which seems like a shame. You know, you're paying your dollar to get your voice heard. I don't know that if people aren't huge fans of his or hadn't seen a lot of these movies, but maybe you'll be a bigger fan after tonight. So, yeah, the ones I threw up were just kind of the highlights. Fernwood tonight, we mentioned this is Spinal Tap. The, the quintessential, you know, mockumentary story. It was a 90% improv script. And then all these Christopher Guest movies, Waiting for Guffman, uh, the story about the small town local theater troupe, Best in Show, about the the quirky characters who, who go to dog shows, A Mighty Wind, about the musicians. Uh, he was in a lot of TV. He was on Roseanne. Actually married Martin Mull in Roseanne. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Had a lot of recurring spots on that. Modern Family as Phil's dad. Uh, Anchorman had a memorable spot. I believe he was the, was he the boss? At yeah, the TV? he was the yeah. station manager. Yeah, right. And he's in the sequel as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Wally as the only human character in Wally. Right, he he's the only human character, in the only live action human actor in any Pixar film. Oh, that's Whoa. a distinction. So we what? had one last minute vote from a very busy man, Jesse Starcher, who's been he works at the unemployment office, and he has been the working overtime. <laughs> what is that called? I'm I'm sure he would. I would assume he would correct you and say the employment office, the Department of Unemploymentness. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where he works, I think. He took time out of his 75-hour work week to vote for this as Spinal Tap. He's a metalhead. I can see that Mm -hmm. very clearly. Um, And Justin Lowe voted best in show. Left a comment saying, "Absolutely impossible." He couldn't. He had a hard time picking. I could easily have picked three fourths of these, but Kimmel's tribute said it best. Christopher Gast and Eugene Levy wanted to make a dog show movie, but didn't know how to make the third act funny until one of them said, "Let's get Fred Willard to do commentary," and that's how Best in Show came to be. Now you know it'd be funny. I don't know if they can do this. Uh, uh, just an idea off the top of my head. Why didn't he put the blood on, put on one of those Sherlock Holmes hats and put a little pipe in his mouth? Are they ever allowed to do anything like that, dress up a dog in a funny way? You know, that's, that's not quite what the uh, purpose of these shows is. But it would be, I think it would really get the crowd going. You know, you know what I mean? The Sherlock Absolutely, Holmes hat yes. with the pipe. I don't know if you could make it look like smoke's coming out of the pipe. I think that would be a little dangerous. <laughs> I'd get a kick out of it. So yeah, Best in Show is, is phenomenal. He is the color commentator mm-hmm. as the dog show goes and he hasn't he hasn't no idea he doesn't know anything about dogs <laughs> he doesn't know what what's going on he just keeps asking questions like well, why wouldn't they do this and it's just spot on brilliant hilarious improv comedy yeah he does he play the that he plays it as if he was a child actor that nobody remembers but he says like his catchphrases <laughs> what happened you know and stuff and they don't even you know but he, he sticks to that <laughs> he's like well let's get it out of the way i'm gonna go and do my my slogan here i know you're gonna ask uh i i'm 
you know, I, I, I'm more interested to hear what you guys think. I'm, I don't have anything against Fred Willard. I'm just not, I'm not a fan, a fan of that whole group, mm-hmm. that whole thing. Like, like you, you, I've heard a lot of ravings about Shit's Creek recently. Mm-hmm. So I did watch, believe it or not, in the last couple of weeks, I found time to watch the entire first season of Shit's Creek. Oh, nice. And, really trying to put the effort forth and i don't know that i'm going to go any further um but it's just like i like those people but i just it's not 100 percent my thing or anything i mean i i like that i loved i like you know i like spinal tap you know that's when i was younger i like watching that but i like it fine i'm not gonna mm-hmm. i have nothing to say i'm gonna back you guys up whatever you think you don't have a clear-cut favorite i i can't say i do either um, especially in his TV roles, a lot of times he was just Fred Willard to me. He's always that guy. Yeah, I mean, I I really liked him in every Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, he played um Raymond's brother's uh, father-in-law. What are you saying, Hank? That's right. Do you think you're easy to live with all the time, Pat? So skittish and faint-hearted and oh my (laughs) and last year I caught a student with fireworks and they were still in my briefcase when I got home you were on the couch recuperating from your trip to the grocery store (laughs) I wanted to tell you to just get over it instead I took the fireworks into the woods and I blew them up and I liked it so I got more. <laughs> I had to drive to West Virginia. But it feels good to be able to really make some gosh darn noise. So when you go on your nature walks? That's right. I blow up nature. <laughs> Boom! And, you know, they, they were a very... Um, religious, ultra conservative family, and then you know they come into this world of the Barones, who are constantly fighting and Italian and loud and out of control. Um, I I really liked him because he he was always trying to be very resolved. That's where the funny came from uh, from that character in this chaos environment. So, um, I was, you know, he called his wife mother, um, much <laughs> like the vice president. <laughs> and, uh, I already mentioned Fernwood tonight. That's the first thing I remember him from. It was a weird show that as a kid, I didn't fully get, but it was just on, you know, in between whatever else it. I was watching. <laughs> How old are you? I'm eight years old. Eight years old. Well, that's an awful lot of talent for an eight-year-old. How do you feel about it, Jeff? I have a question. Uh, um, how did you feel about the TV show Roots? I thought your people came off looking pretty good. <laughs> um, and reruns. And um, Wally, he didn't have a big part, but it was an important part, and it was so... I think it made that... Uh, the, the He played the president of by and large, which, or maybe even the president of the country, maybe it was one and the same. 
um, in this in this future timeline uh, after they had put everybody on a cruise spaceship and shipped them off. Um, he was transmitting messages to the ship later on uh, and things were getting worse and worse. Cut it off, will you? Hey, there, autopilots. Got some bad news. Um, Operation Cleanup has, well, uh, failed. Wouldn't you know, rising toxicity levels have made life unsustainable on Earth. Unsustainable? What? Uh, darn it all, we're going to have to cancel Operation Recolonize. So, uh, just stay the course. Um... Rather than try and fix this problem, it'll just be easier for everyone to remain in space. Easier? Mr. President. Uh, sir, I think... Sir. Huh? Time to go. Okay, I'm giving override uh, directive A-113. Go to full autopilot, take control of everything, and do not return to Earth. Repeat, do not return to Earth. Let's get the heck out of here. Um, but it, for me, that was the character that made, that took that storyline about conservation um, and killing the planet. And because he was a real guy, it made it more authentic than had it been an animated character um, as a, you know, like they weren't, he wasn't talking to the, the cartoons. He was talking to the audience in that. I always thought that was interesting in that movie. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I just love Anchorman. Uh, it's probably one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, <laughs> that just—it's it, so quote. It's one of those things that I still quote. You know, fifteen years later, or however long it's been. Oh, oh okay, I understand. Uh, you have a nice day, sir. Bye. I could come back later, Mister Harkin. Oh no, no, no! It's just uh, parent stuff. It, it seems that our youngest, Chris, was on something called acid and was firing a bow and arrow into a crowd. You know how kids are. Anywho, what can I do you for? He was just, he, he was just a funny, you know, he played off Will Ferrell and, and Steve Carell and all those guys. Yeah. He was kind of, he was the straight man in that. Um, but he, but he made it work so well to where they were funnier. So did his job. Well, the, 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 real talent of him is the improvisation like that's what that whole group is just like right best in show is all is supposedly almost all improv you know so he's yeah, definitely tough. sharp it's tough yeah he's not the main course in any of these movies he's not the star he's mm -hmm. just he's the he's the flavor peppered in there uh, so i i can see it it's hard to pick just one you know defining role as we're trying to do but i appreciate the, the breadth of his career and the chances he took and the, the young people he worked with and the fearlessness of just like, okay, well, I'll do talk shows. I'll do any kind of skit you want to do, whatever you want to do. Jimmy Kimmel said he would show up, that his writers would have an idea, and they'd give him a call, like, hey, can you come down this afternoon and shoot this? And he'd show up half an hour later with barely a script, no preparation. They'd, they'd rehearse it once and do a take, and it'd be done. And he would just like be game for all that stuff. And he he had a he had a a recurring bit on a Bold and the Beautiful. He was at a he was at a soap opera, 
He was on late night TV every, from Jay Leno on everybody he's been on. He's done a lot of voices for animation. Uh, and he's worked on all this newfangled stuff like web, web series and adult swim, uh, Tim and Eric comedy, bang, bang, funny or die drunk history. I think you should leave like all these hip new young comedians. He lent his talents to. So I, everyone has seen him, you know, from the sixties on, We've all we've all seen him in stuff, so he's a familiar face, a very familiar voice. But yeah, it's harder to pick just the one. If I have, I'm a fan of the Christopher Guest movies. I really love Best in Show. Would probably be my pick as the best of those movies and his best performance. But I just kind of assume going into this, it would be Modern Family. Hop on up there, young man. If I'm not mistaken, you saw your first naked lady in this barbershop. You know it. <laughs> Hell of a crossing guard, but when she went crazy, she didn't go halfway. Well, that was her training. So, Dad, um, just going to get this over with. Um, oh, boy, is this going to be about me going back to the grocery store? Well, it, it just seemed a little weird. I heard you were there for hours. The place was a mess. I mean, where is the pride? Old days, they used to deliver my oranges on Tuesdays. I could not have built a pyramid faster with... 10,000 Hebrews. So you weren't just wandering. It's just, I miss it is all. This takes me to my next question. Um, did you and mom ever, ever want a, a, another child? Well, I suppose all parents wondered how things would have changed if they had a different child. No, I didn't, didn't mean a different one. I, I, I mean an additional one. Why do you ask? Well, because... If you'd had another kid, maybe maybe he'd have taken over the business and, and you wouldn't have had to sell. I always, I always felt kind of bad that I didn't. The answer is no, Phil, never. Because, well, you did take over the family business, didn't you? Keeping life light, making it fun for everybody. I learned from the best. Because we all three had watched it. It was kind of the longest running thing. Mm-hmm. He was he wasn't a central character again, but it was an important part of that family. So that, that was get, what I assumed would be the pick going into it. But. Yeah, I get I get that, but I'd rather pick something that like he's more known for. I I think it's not like I mean I liked him on Modern Family, but not any more than anything else I've seen him in. Uh, I I I definitely appreciate what he does. I'd rather pick like some you know he, I I almost. The thing I hear the most for him is best in show. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard, I always hear his name attached to that. But, you know, he but like but he, the, he was talking about he like dot he came, he's the one that like dyed his hair had his hair dyed and came in just so they to try not let them have a choice. You know, they're they're like we can we can fix this. You know, this is a good idea. You know, he was just silly. Well, I mean, I could I could go with that best in show. Um, you know, he certainly had a big part of that movie, and and you know, as like you said, as, uh, almost a principal actor in that group. Um, this this would be the first time we agreed with a patron. Really? Okay. What else could we do? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start anything we can't follow it up follow up with later on. Yeah, I would be thrilled to name Best in Show. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. No one job. So in the annals of history, Kapow! <laughs> the, the On uh, Fred Willard's unfortunate <laughs> plaque. 
will be listed best in show. She is really giving him a thorough going over. Are all judges that thorough? I mean, yes, she looks yes. at the teeth. It's very important that all the attributes are examined. Uh, teeth, eyes, Runs ears, gums. Am I seeing right? Where's she putting her hands now? Well, she's just checking out the dog's uh, testicular area oh. to make sure <laughs> to make sure that uh, that everything is intact. Hate to go out on a date with Judge uh, Edie Franklin, have her judge me. That would be no fun. Whatever his role was, uh, I, I don't know the role name, but we'll, we'll have it embedded in stuff. <laughs> Before we get the chisel out, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure out what he, who he actually played. Uh, had one, before we leave the topic of movies, I did have one breaking news story as far as when this was recorded about the movie industry. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Mm. You guys were getting the Zack Snyder Justice League. All my trolling has paid trolling. off. All the people I've harassed, yeah, championing this cause. I don't. You don't want. You want to know the absolute truth? I don't even know what movie it's supposed to be. Like I couldn't tell you whether it's Justice League or Batman versus Superman. If you had a gun to my head, I would just say pull the trigger. <laughs> well, it is Justice League, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's Justice League. So yeah. if we go to the Wayback Machine. Uh, Zack Snyder suffered a family tragedy in the middle of Justice League. They brought in Joss Whedon mm -hmm. to finish up the shooting, and he added a few things. Well, Justice League was not very well reviewed by critics and a lot of fans. And that began this thing we do now where we think we have an opinion <laughs> and we can make stuff happen. People just got this in their head that, well, Zack Snyder would have done better. Maybe this one's not sucked, but Zack Snyder's his vision would have been great, and we just, that just got in people's heads. And a lot of it was done sarcastically. Like pe no one thought this even existed, that there was any of this extra footage or it would ever happen. So that has become kind of a running joke of releasing the Snyder cut. Well, again, in this world, there's no reality. It doesn't matter anymore. We're <laughs> getting the Snyder cut. So <sighs> ever since Justice League, there's been persistent fan demand for online petitions they got together paid for a billboard in times square somebody chartered a plane to fly over comic-con with a banner reading release the snyder cut so on the movie the second anniversary of the movie this hashtag had the biggest day it, it's ever had gal gadot and ben affleck both tweeted this hashtag so it's like this demand has continued to grow i said i think half of it is sarcastic but some executive said, you know, there is some demand for this. So they called Zack Snyder in and said, could we do this? So it is coming to HBO Max in 2021 <laughs> at a cost of somewhere between 20 and $30 million. They're going to go back, put in some of this footage. Uh, they said they might bring the actors back to do some new audio. and they, But they have not decided it might be like a four-hour movie director's cut sort of deal, or they'll break it into six like chapters, like the season of TV, basically, for HBO streaming. I bet it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> this is, it's so weird that... I mean, who cares? I, I'm curious, though. I mean, I feel like it was going to happen anyway. Once they started tweeting it, you know, like the stars, I feel like they knew something was up. But 
I almost feel like this fast track has something to do with the situation we're in right now. <clears throat> when there's such a thirst for content to put yeah, on the streaming these streaming home content, yeah. Yeah, it's like what we don't have anything else. We can't make something new. Let's just recut this sucker. But he is bringing back all of the original post-production crew to score, cut, and finish all the visual effects. And he told the Hollywood Reporter, quote, You probably saw one-fourth of what I did. It will be an entirely new thing. And especially talking to those who have seen the released movie, a new experience apart from that movie. So that's his dig. He has claimed to this day he's not watched the theatrical version. So he he is one of those trolls of like they they messed it up he didn't like it and it also kind of led he didn't really work for DC after that you know he he sort of they kind of mm. DC started going in a new direction with Suicide Squad and all these other movies that yeah. he was he was kind of the driving force of a lot of the early stuff so this was the beginning of the break of everything being Snyder ish in the DC universe. Hmm. Well, good luck, buddy. Yeah. I hope everybody's happy, and now we know that harassment is the answer. We can have anything we want. Right. That's the lesson we've all learned. Mm -hmm. you got two choices of how this is going to go. Either everybody is going to be like, yes, this is great. We we got what we wanted, and now we can do that again for something else. Or it's going to suck, and there's going to be some more likely. It's going to suck in some way. There's something they're not going to like about it. And they're gonna. There's gonna be a new twist on that hashtag. Release the three and the quarter hour Snyder yeah. cut. You know, there's something that version they'll want done next. I just don't know. I mean, twenty another year. Who is gonna care? This movie was released two years ago. Who's gonna care in another year? Four It'll years later. Just- I mean, it's not the Donner cut. This, you know, where it was about everything that happened behind the scenes. We know what happened. It was unfortunate and it sucked for him and his family that he had to leave the project um and somebody else to come on, but I mean move move on. <laughs> that's yes, that's we can that that could apply to a lot of uh, fandom. <laughs> Just let's move on. Uh. Hey, how about we move on to TV? Boom. What in the good Lord is going on? Nothing. I'm just some fellas I play car pranks with. The worst thing about prison was the was the Dementors. Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's gonna die. There are no strings on me. So if you want to make more money and uh, keep the money that you make, better call Saul. He looks like a panda and a Disney princess had a baby. Somebody royally forked up. Somebody forked up. Randall! Okay, stay in the room! First I thought you and the others were gods. Then I realized you're just men. And I know men. You guys, look at my dirty girl. Roll on snare drum. Curtain. Good joke. What'd you watch? Well, there's Riverdale news, of course, breaking. Oh my gosh. What's that, boy? We had a quote from showrunner Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. So, where we left off on The Dale, the fourth season ended early. 
there are three episodes left that were written but hadn't been shot. And he confirmed that season five will start with those three episodes and then they'll do the time jump that they were anticipating at the beginning of season five. Cool. Jumping five years into the future, post-college, post-whatever. Mm-hmm. It whatever may be Re- five Whatever years. Reggie's doing in community college or whatever. It may be five years in the future. Very true. <laughs> Archie's out of the Naval Academy. Or the, was it Naval Air Force? Oh, yes. I don't remember. Yeah, he's going to be full Navy gear. They kick him out of the Navy for not wearing a shirt with his uniform. <laughs> We also had a quote from Skeet I wanted your opinion on. Mm. So we knew Skeet and Marisol Nichols were leaving, but they have both agreed to come on and finish the last three episodes. They're going to stick around and and that we're going to finish out their arcs. And the original statement that Skeet Ulrich gave in February when it broke that he was leaving, he said, quote, I've decided it's time for me to move on and explore new creative opportunities, blah, blah, blah. That's what every actor says. But he just uh, he did an Instagram live video where his girlfriend was filming him and asked him, you know, honestly why he was leaving. And he said, quote, I'm leaving Riverdale because I got bored creatively. How's that? That's the most honest answer, end quote. So Skeet, he didn't he was not finding the fulfillment in the role that we find in watching him do this role. He had a couple different jackets. He could, he could be he could, he had different jackets he uh you know said how many boy? ways can you say the word boy yeah I don't know I feel like that was peak skeet <laughs> <laughs> yeah also during that interview um they were I think they were reading questions from fans it was like an Instagram live and um, somebody asked him about Cole. Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt, aren't they a cute couple or something along that line? And he and he he blurted out, "Yeah, they were." Oh, and kind of outed them and confirmed a lot of the rumors that uh, that Bughead had officially broken up. Wow, Skeet um, sinks the ship on his way out the door. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> tensions might be a little tight there on set. <laughs> well that sucks that you know I, it, there's a big cast i'm sure there is everyone's competing for screen time and and storylines and if you're not getting it and you're just sitting around not doing much not feeling like you're contributing much and you're surrounded by a bunch of early 20s kids for playing teenagers i i could i could see his point it bums me out though because i love him so much on that right show. yeah he was he was definitely great and and behind the scenes the task the cast seems pretty tight i mean i know from from following them on twitter and instagram things like that like stalking them stalking them ski and vanessa morgan are are really tight and i know um even um what's the kid that plays reggie um melton who cares anyways i know they all hang out outside of shooting a lot um, and had even done some touring in Europe there last couple years. So, well, the CW also had another departure. Ruby Rose is leaving Batwoman after one season. The show had just been renewed, and they're going to recast her. There's going to be a new yeah. Kate Kane in season two. 
I wasn't a big fan of her on that show. Um, I don't know that she really brought a whole lot to it that somebody else couldn't. But how how deep did you get into it? I've I want to say like four or five episodes, season one. Well, I I ended up I got way behind on it. And I ended up catching up while I was homebound here for a while. So there were there were 20 episodes in this first season. I dutifully took notes of all 20 episodes, but I'm going to spare you all that. But I'll give you it. It, it was a little rough getting started, and there's mm-hmm. a whole lot of fat that could be trimmed. But it there was some really solid stuff in it. I liked Alice, the mm-hmm. the villain. That was her sister, who had a had a a tragic past and became, you know, this insane villain based on the Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. mythos, Alice. I had introduced Tommy Elliot, who later becomes Hush. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of the season, we have Hush as well. Um, I liked, it got into her military school background and her, her, her being in the military. It dealt with some of her Jewish faith. It's so like all the stuff that was in the comics, it, it, it it hinted at, or it got, you know, it's it skimmed the surface on a lot of the stuff we like about the character. Yeah, I I love the 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 books. Um, when they relaunched the uh, the new Fifty Two there several years ago, that was one of my favorite books out of that. I mean, just beautiful art, great stories, in depth, different than other things we were seeing on the shelf. So the they 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 got the character pretty well. I don't know. The overall thing didn't, you know, it wasn't the best of the CD, CW bunch, but there was a very solid uh, right after the crisis story. So the whole thing is built up. Kate feels like she failed Alice as a child. Alice was in a car crash. Kate escaped. She didn't. And they all thought she was dead and moved on with their lives. So knowing she was, you know, she grew to adulthood suffering. Uh, she had, she got taken in by this weird, creepy guy. It doesn't matter. But uh, so she feels to blame and there was all this sister drama and everyone, they want to you know, shoot Alice on sight, kill her, whatever. Kate is struggling. Like she thinks she can save her. She's still my sister. She's still in there somewhere. We can, we can save her. Post crisis, the original, her original sister shows up from one of the other realities, Beth, where she never suffered any of this trauma. And she went on and got her doctorate and she was a, a you know, a, a helped the world and was a great person. And we realized that this new multiverse, or the multiverse is gone, and two Beths couldn't be on the same Earth at the same time. And one of them was either going to die or was going to like you know, blow up the multiverse. Uh, and it's like she doesn't want her Beth to die, so she has to make a decision. She knows her sister is evil and terrible and will kill again. Or there's this other Beth. She could have a better, improved Beth. And there's this drama of like trying to decide, you know, who should I pick? And it was, it was, I didn't know. Like a lot of the CW stuff, you can see coming a mile away. You know where the drama is going to be. But it built this really intricate, like emotional moment between the sisters. And then it all kind of, the, the whole back half of the season played off of that. And then throwing in Hush was an interesting twist. Uh, Luke Fox, Lucius's kid. Uh, trying to solve his dad's murder. So just a lot of solid elements that never quite baked into a, a, a mm-hmm. delicious cake. Hmm. 
And I, I don't know if I don't think you mentioned that. what I heard was a lot of her leaving had to do with an injury. Well, that's this whole week has been well, why? Because it's weird. You know, she's uh, the star of a hit primetime series. Who who doesn't want to be a superhero? And the first LGBT lead super, superhero, and that was a big deal. And so people are rightfully curious why. And it has come out. Oh, it has nothing to do with the injury. She was nearly paralyzed her, uh, her, on, on set. Um, they've said it's not that. But then it came out later. A spokesperson said, well, it wasn't 100% her decision. That maybe she wasn't happy. So then she was being a pain on set. Again, nobody knows really. Greg Berlanti came out and called it a great creative opportunity. Thinking what we can do in the second season. We, can, we have a blank slate. We can do some interesting new things. So he, he acted very positive about it. And tried to, you know, pass it off in the brightest light. But the, the consensus seems to be she wasn't enjoying it. She didn't like the long hours and the stunts and the the grueling pace you have to do to to film twenty some of these in a year. So she she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't enjoying the process. But they've right. said they're 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 obligated to to cast another LGBT uh, lead to to keep that representation out there. So I don't know. It, it'll be odd just casting a whole new character mm. I, I don't know i'm hmm. sure the ratings will be high <laughs> season two people will tune in just to see how in the heck they end up doing it but. right um i know we just talked a bunch of star wars but cliff i want to take one second just to say just finish this up uh we never mentioned when we were talking about rebels the whole thing the like time thing where mm-hmm. he goes into yeah that's the, crazy that was crazy yeah he was uh, able to go into a like another dimension yeah into this dimension in between all these times mm-hmm. and walk up and be like okay affect different things like he could he saves a yeah. Mm-hmm. Where we saw earlier in the series, she goes in and is fighting Darth Vader, and, and then her. and we don't see what happens, and he just comes walking out, and then like he won basically. Yeah, Vader does, and yeah. then and then we see, you know, yeah, that Ezra goes Ezra goes in there, and right before at least she's like going to get killed, he pulls her out of the timeline. Mm-hmm. It's like what an that what it was just incredible. And then uh, what? And then get to see what he can't do, you know, other things he can't affect. It, it's been a while since I've watched any of that. Um, but doesn't that tie? Isn't doesn't that tie into the whole Mortis storyline from um, from Clone Wars with the father and the two the two kids? And the that's what the the one owl I think is is the is it the yeah. daughter the light side. Yeah, yeah, there's all this mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> yeah, but I think that all ties in together. But yeah, that was pretty neat there towards the end of Rebels when he was uh, uh, had the Emperor after him. and, and Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he got to go. Yeah, because one, one thing, yeah, at one point he got to see and see his parents and things, mm-hmm. and the Emperor's trying to get him to go there. Yeah. And then, then there, but there's the one where he gets to see where Kanan is saving them mm-hmm. you know and he can see that and he's like well i gotta save canaan 
You know, it was like, it was excellent. It was excellent. Ezra Bridger. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Very good. And, and that's, that was um, also in Rebels. We got to see the, uh, the, the Guardians of the Force and their yellow lightsabers. Yeah, there were some yellow lightsabers. Yeah, so. Anyways. Yeah, there was a lot of lightsabers. We love Star Wars. All right, one more bit of CW news. We had a big debut, and concurrently with DC Universe, airing both places, Stargirl. Yes. I uh, I just watched this last night. Um, man, it felt like a movie. It was very good. The effects were great. The story was great. Um, this is the... 10 years, it starts 10 years ago with the Justice Society of America. And they even call it the Golden Age. Yeah. It was 10 years ago. The the, the Golden Age of 2010. Do you guys remember it? <laughs> what, a diff- what a different world. Right. Wow. Starman, are you there? I'm on my way. Someone must carry the torch. I'll try. Not you. It's definitely not you. Well, we made it. Nebraska, folks. I know this has been difficult. The move and a new stepfather, but we're going to make a good life. What were you? I was Starman's sidekick. What is this thing anyway? It's called the Cosmic Staff. It's not supposed to work for anyone except Starman. Blow up a car. I did it. It did. That's funny. Someone using Starman's staff. I killed one Starman. I killed another. There are villains in Blue Valley. They're the reason I'm putting together this new team. To get justice. This is our destiny. Who are you? Stargirl. So, um, yeah. So, it starts out and there's a big battle going on between the Justice Society and... They're arch villains, um, Sportsmaster, and Icicle was there, and I forget who else. Yeah, um, I knew this was going to knock your socks off. Like, this was, you know, we start the show with a huge supervillain fight. So JSA is Star Spangled Kid slash Starman, I guess, sorry, mm-hmm. Starman at this point, Our Man, Wildcat, Dr. Midnight, and then in comes the, the Injustice Society Icicle, Brainwave, Tigress. Yeah. Sportsmaster, Wizard, Dragon King, Gambler, Solomon Grundy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Sandman was there too, but he was already dead. He was laying right, on the right. uh on the stairway there. But yeah, big battle to start it out and then um old Stripesy comes in and, and and tries to save Starman, um pulling him out. He gets killed anyways, and then we flash forward to um, young Courtney Whitmore, who, uh, is moot. She's a high school student in California and, um, her mom and her, her mom is remarried or gotten married. So she has a new stepdad and they're moving to Nebraska. And then during the moving process, um, we see... Pat, her stepdad, Pat, um, has uh, a bunch of big crates 
uh, marked auto parts. And then we see one crate. Um, that I think by this time we know it's the, the cosmic staff inside. Um, cause he takes that after Starman um, dies, calls him a good friend, tells him he's a good friend and dies. And then, um, during this Courtney snooping around, uh, she's had a really bad first day at high school. Um, they make her sit with the, the singles or the losers, uh, table during the it's, lunch. It's really the only part of the show I didn't like mm-hmm. was the high school stuff, the bullies, the nerd table. Like it seemed like a show from the eighties. It seemed a little saved by the bellish. It was very stereotypical. Yeah. yeah. For as good and fresh as everything else was. Yeah. So anyway, she finds the cosmic staff down in the basement in the crate and, um, immediately she can she can use it you know it, it when she touches it it lights up and uh reacts to her almost as it has a personality of its own and uh um so she starts practicing with it she's a gymnast and she's going flying and going up on rooftops and and spinning off of it and doing all these cool tricks so Yeah, the, the episode was written by Jeff Johns, who has helped executive producing the show as well. So he is the creator of Courtney Whitmore back in the day, and the the whole the the idea of this this young teen girl joining the Justice Society. Uh, we didn't mention the star Breck Basinger. Uh, not related to Kim Basinger. I checked. She was best known from uh, Bella and the Bulldogs on Nickelodeon. I think it was a, a young girl joining a football team in high school. So that was her big break there. Uh, Luke Wilson as the stepdad, who I'd I loved in this. Uh, big stepdad energy. Like he, yeah. he just just trying so hard to, you know, connect with the kids and just being rebuffed at every point. Yeah, he he was great. I um when I first saw that he was gonna be in this, I was surprised. He seemed like, you know, too big of a movie star to be in one of these CW shows. Um, and the, the actress that's playing Courtney, she, she looks the part, um, she looks about that age and, you know, it's not like Riverdale that they're 25 and playing high school students. (laughs) Um, but I thought the casting was great. Amy Smart plays her mom. So another, you know, she's been in some, some bigger movies in the past and, um, yeah, Luke Wilson was great. He, he. I loved every minute of it. The costumes look great. Um, the effects were phenomenal. And uh, we get a quick glimpse of, um, obviously, the what's going to... She's going to have to reform the Justice Society of America with new members, um, younger members uh, around her age. So it's all it's going to be about legacy as, you know, very much the comics were too. So hopefully we'll get um we'll get more flashbacks. Was that Joel Joel McHale? It was Joel McHale as Starman. That's what I thought. Sylvester Pemberton. So I want I I looked all this stuff up. So I wanted to throw these the comic book origins out here because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I don't know these characters very well, but something seemed off. Like that that name didn't sound right or something. Because Starman is the Knight family. 
right? The legacy of passing it on to the, the knight. So this sort of mashed up a couple different characters. So Sylvester Pemberton is not the original Starman. He is the original Star Spangled Kid. Right. So he first appeared in Action Comics number 40 in September 1941, created by Jerry Siegel and Hal Sherman. So he was the patriotic hero in the in you know in that early World War II era with Captain America and the Shield and all these you know uh, patriotic rah rah mm-hmm. USA heroes. So that's what he was, the Star Spangled Kid, and that's where Stripes he came from as right. the kid sidekick, just wearing a striped shirt. Yeah, that's all you needed in those days to be to be a kid sidekick, just the right outfit. Um, so Starman is Ted Knight, first appearance of. Uh, Adventure Comics, April 1941, created by Gardner Fox and artist Jack Burnley. So he's the one who invented the gravity rod, as it was called back then, and then later the cosmic rod. So the 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 Knight family, that's the famous series from the 90s, mm-hmm. starring Jack Knight, mm-hmm. the the legacy character. So that was James Robinson and Tony Harris, and I got some vibes from that as well. With the, like the vintage car and the bowling shirts and like the retro vibes, that was very much the '90s Starman. So they just kind of threw a couple different characters in the mix, and we just came out with all the best stuff from them, I guess. So if you're curious wh- where the comic origins are, there is, this isn't a specific <laughs> character. It's kind of a mashup. So yeah, and and um, a lot of younger people will probably. If you're not familiar with the comics, we'll remember um, Courtney and Pat on the the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited series from late '90s, early 2000s. Um, that that featured several episodes with, you know, they were like um, Star and Stripe. You know, he, he and the, uh, Pat is in the big mech suit, the Stripe suit. Um, that he uh, that he builds to uh, to watch over Courtney as um, as Stargirl. So uh, she uh, Stargirl also appeared in three episodes of Smallville, which must oh, have been after yeah. I after yep. I stopped watching. Yeah, she did. And uh, or no, I'm sorry, she was in Smallville. She was in three episodes of Legends of Tomorrow in mm-hmm. season two, which I had forgotten. Yep. So they have to specify that this Stargirl is set on Earth two. And the episodes where there was a star growing legends from CW. Well, that's on earth one and that's continuity. So we've already, this is so DC. We've yeah. already had to like retcon the character and mess up the history. But yeah, I, I thought it was a very strong pilot head and shoulders above a lot of the CW stuff. Yeah. I'm not excited about all these young characters as a new Wildcat, a new hour man, <sighs> a new Dr. Midnight. And they're all teenagers that I, I, I'm worried the show's going to drop off in quality. Or yeah. At least my interest in it will drop off. But I this for this first hour was really really strong. Really good. Um and, and that's, you know, there was a line um of JSA Comics where they did focus on on passing on the legacy um heroes the you know to to a younger generation with even you know, there's been several hour men. There's you know Doctor Midnight and um and, and most of these characters before. So even though we're not going to get the original ones, um, I think there's there's certainly opportunity to still make a good product here. Um, if they 
continue on the path of that first episode. Really, you know, it felt very put together um, from story to production. Uh, just a good, a good start. I, I, I wanted to go back and I'll probably watch it again. I loved it that much. Um, I could not believe, you know, there to spoil it at the end when, uh, when we see the stripe robot suit, how great that it looked like it was out of a Marvel movie. And even the effects like her flying on the rod and like doing flips and stuff like mm-hmm. that looked much higher budget than anything on CW, yeah. like the flash running or any of the effects of the superpowers. Like the effects look very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So star girl, you can watch it on CW. You can watch it on DC universe. If you have that. Um, yeah, it's, it's worth a go. I'm going to, I'm excited about it. I um, see where it goes. Okay. Cool. Um, anything else? TV? You want Survivor was over, you said? Uh, yeah, that Winners at War finished up. It was very good. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the winner was a satisfying winner. Um, they dealt with some of the problems they had in season 39, just kind of tangentially, uh, commenting on the fact that it, it was a i think i mentioned at that time and you we had talked about there there was some uh me too stuff going on mm-hmm. yeah. on there and um at one point towards the end of this season one of the one girl the girl and the guy were working like i said these were all winners but this these two players were both police officers and they'd worked together on two previous seasons one of them won one of those seasons one of them won the other and now they're back on the same season again and working together and she she realized that the guy was getting all you know she'd heard from the jury basically that the guy was getting a lot of the credit for what the two of them were doing which is not strange (laughs) you know and she kind of commented on that she's like well i don't feel bad that I felt bad before people have given me a hard time online and things uh, for the season I won. And, you know, and I hear these guys don't get all this guff for having betrayed people and, you know, voted people out and things. And she's like, that's how you win. You have to be the last person. She was like, but, but I've cut all this heck and I have felt bad. And she's like, I don't feel bad anymore. It's <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, you guys just want to blame the woman and, and, she and, she came off as shrill and bossy. I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. But it but it was it was really what what it was a great moment, and they all got to kind of check themselves. She did it a little. Uh, she didn't wait till the end of the show. She did it a little earlier on uh, when there was a few people left, and Jeff Probst kind of made a comment, which which was good for him to point out his own inadequacies. Uh, he he has always called certain players. It's kind of a badge of honor if you call if he calls you by your last name. Is it just like you know it, he he'll give you a nickname or something? And like one guy famously said, "Call me Cochran. Call me by my last name." That, I know that means something, you know. And he kind of pointed out, you know, she she said, "You need to call me Lucina. You call these guys by their last name, and, you know." And he's like, "I totally." Uh, own that he's like i 
I just naturally have this camaraderie with these guys and I need to cut it out. You know, he's like, I, I, he's like, I will, uh, you know, try to do better. Everybody wants to do better constantly. So, which hmm. is good. So it was a, it was a ne- <clears throat> necessary thing said it was a satisfying winner and I'm, you know, all in all, very happy with it. I, and they claim that there will be Survivor in the fall. I don't know how necessarily they're going to do it. Hmm. The thing, the thing I saw the most people talking about, uh, we mentioned it briefly, but it's ended since last we've spoken. The Last Dance documentary. Yeah, I finished. And this was it. like the highest rate. This was like football playoffs level ratings on ESPN for this documentary it, about Michael Jordan. It was great. I know we talked before and it's produced by him and you know, there's going to be different perspectives of course. Yeah. Since we talked about that, uh, uh, what's his name? Ken Burns came out and basically talked trash about it. Like this is no way to document history of like a, you know, it's a biased look and it's not authentic. It's like, wow, getting shade from Ken Burns. That's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> iffy. It's like, you don't want to if you're in like the ten hour documentary game. That is like you're, you're gonna have oh, to step yeah. to Ken Burns. Right. Well, again, no matter how much, yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of perspectives on this. Even ten hours, there was so much that happened, you couldn't cover it all in that amount of time, and not everyone's perspectives. And I'll say this: no matter how, if he tried to make himself look good, you know, there's only so much you can do. He he was there was a lot of footage and i felt like you saw the real michael jordan he was cocky and mouthy and com- super confet- competitive and he had to put up with a lot of stuff i i will say like that guy had no peace and his his dad died in the middle of all this stuff and it was just it was it was riveting it was it was an amazing documentary yeah, I didn't watch every bit of it. I tuned in here and there. I caught a probably more than half of it. But yeah, I I, I'm, I wasn't a huge fan, but I also didn't hate him. But so I was kind of middle of the road. He could have convinced me, but I, I walked away not liking him any more than I ever did. Oh, I I would I I, I think a lot of, a just lot as of, a person, you know. Right, you, I know you what you mean. You can respect yeah. the skill, yeah. and you, that he has, you know, being a superstar and being rich and famous and the most the most one of the most known faces on the planet you think has a lot of perks you know there are obviously downsides too you you have to understand right you get a little bit of that like wow his life must have been you know so great well not always but yeah man that guy could not be alone um but they uh now of course they're going to try to capitalize on this they said they're going to do a tom brady one it's like there, you can't duplicate this, first off. Nobody gives a crap about Tom Brady. Yeah. It's like, people don't like Tom Brady. It's like, you know, and he's, yeah, he's great football player, but he's not the Michael Jordan of football. Is Tom Brady the greatest player in NFL history? Are you seriously asking, is he the greatest player in NFL history? And by the way, Robert Kraft said by far. The answer is yes. Yes, he is. You know, there isn't a Michael Jordan of anything, you know, except this. So I don't I don't think they'll have anything quite as successful as this, but it was very good. I recommend it. If you were if you remember any of that, it's very interesting. There was a lot of good 
'90s basketball teams and and to watch them bang. Yeah, it was it was weird. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but like the, that last episode, they ran through real quick, almost like career highlight, and like every thing I remembered every bit of it. Him yeah. jumping up and pumping the fists, the shrug running down the court, the you know, like I remember specific shots, and it was like this is just in my memory as an American youth yeah. in those those years. And it's like I was I was I was ne- I never followed basketball very closely, but it's just part of Americana at some point. What's funny is I did watch all that stuff, but I didn't know it was neat to hear to see what these things were these specific moments were like him looking over and doing this he was doing it at magic johnson my magic johnson had talked crap about him before that game or made comment something and so many of these times he would do something and just make another player specifically look bad in a game it was because they said something or he would even make stuff up that people said that they didn't really say just to motivate himself. I, I definitely respected his spite game and that like yeah. everything he does is to spite someone. Like I, I can definitely yeah. get behind that. Yeah. But yeah. Was, I, the one good. thing, well, a, a, like it reminded me of the, is there anything in sports quite like the lights going down and that music kicking in? Mm. And now it's like, that is so, that's like, I'm not a fan and my and like it gives you goosebumps of that that intro they always did. Yeah. When it was they up the showmanship when the NBA was at its peak in you know ratings and popularity and it, they made a show of it and it was Michael Jordan was half of that, you know, as just the the personality out front. So. Yeah. It was good. <clears throat> I don't have anything else. <laughs> okay. I got, I got a, little... a ton of TV, but I, oh. I we don't have to talk about all of it. You got I was gonna say I've got a little bit of streaming um, that I've been watching. Just here, uh, some Netflix stuff. Guys, working moms. <laughs> Mommy. Oh. Two fresh starts. Two fresh starts. No, I didn't. I didn't. Hey, everyone. Alice's mom here for another round of being given everything and squandering it. I fear that she's being spread too thin. She barely has enough energy to practice oboe. I don't care if she can play the oboe as long as she's not playing someone else's oboe. Okay, this could not get any weirder. Kate! Anne! Oh, my God. Is that foul? And just Ah. like that, I got nightmares. Bianca, quit hiding that baby. Let me get a look. Hot. Damn, that's his face. He looks like Mickey Rook. I'm sorry, what? Hmm? No. His fight is just beginning. Oh, hashtag me time. Isn't it me too? I think she's trying to do time's up. I want that. So I'm talking about it. He's like hungry for some strange. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You're talking about an infidelity tree, Ann. You hurt her again and I will shave her balls with a straight razor. That would like save me time. We season, cannot leave without keeping up on working long. Season four dropped. And I went right. We tore through working moms wow. so fast. Just that drop. <laughs> and here you are back to working. The week you yeah. go back to working is when working moms come. That's what he was missing was seeing some moms working. That's right. Right so, now yeah. he's got moms sitting around. Season four um, 
we're back at it after we had a little cliffhanger uh, at season three on what Kate, the central character, Catherine Reitman, um, who is the daughter of Ivan Reitman. Um, she is the star and the, uh, the writer on this, one of the, the main writer creator of this show. Um, she decides she's going to get back with her husband who's played by her real life husband, um, on the show. And then, uh, we pick up, it's, it's a pretty quick season. Kate's still struggling with her new business, um, that she has started, and at home, she's still? trying still. Um, she's trying to find a new normal uh, with after reconciling with her husband. And then Anne, her best friend Anne, is struggling to parent a teenager um, because her daughter is awful and she does terrible things and makes terrible decisions and talks to her parents. Um, like a terrible teenager would. So, um, Anne struggling with that. She gets a book deal, decides to be write the book on being a super tough parent on her teenager, which totally backfires, and she eventually figures out that um, that's not the way to parent this child. Then, um, our original four characters, uh, we have, uh, Frankie, um, who is, uh, living with her new girlfriend who has had a, a, a new, uh, they have a new child, a baby and, uh, settling in with her while managing her, her, um, ex wife and that child they have together. And then her new girlfriend um, kind of gets a little obsessed with finding out, finding the 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 donor, the sperm donor um, of her baby, and who he is and what he's about. Um, and then Jenny, who is divorced and just plain awful, I cannot stand her character. Um, who cares what she's doing? It doesn't really matter. I was surprised they last season they kind of they kind of dropped her storyline a lot because she's just terrible, and uh, they had replaced her with Val the the lady that runs the mommy and me class who is a nutball and hilarious. Well, back here in season season four, um, Val is hardly to be found anywhere. We get no continuation whatsoever of her storyline with her boys. And a new boyfriend, um, which was a huge disappointment. And then um, overall, I mean, it's just, it's it's good. It's still funny, but it doesn't quite have the magic that season one and season two had. It, it's a, they, they rely too much on the funny and not enough on the emotion of the series. So that's my review. It's already been renewed um, for season five. Um, from the, uh, it's a, it's actually a Canadian show. It's on one of the Canadian networks, um, up there. And then, uh, after it airs there, they put it on Netflix. So, uh, working mom season four, you heard it. Uh, watch this. (laughs) You heard it. You heard it. 
I watched a, a Netflix movie that came out starring David Spade called The Wrong Missy, um, which wasn't great. It was okay. It's got Spade. Lauren Lapkus is, plays the wrong Missy. Um, Nick Swartzen. And then Molly Sims plays the right Missy, I guess. Um, so he goes on a... He, he, David Spade looks so old. In this, I, I, yeah, I saw the actress, yeah, promoting it, and she's very, she's a very young comedian, right? I'm like, is she like the love interest in this movie? Because Spade is not young, and yeah. she is very young. Is yeah, that she, what is that what's wrong about it? Is that what's wrong? He had an age appropriate Missy, and she is the wrong Missy. That, that apparently, yeah, that's part of it. Um, also, have you seen Nick Swardson lately? Mm. He looks older than Spade does. Oh, he's no. Joe tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Joe tomorrow. Yeah. No Joe tomorrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's called back for a couple weeks ago. <laughs> right. You gotta stay on your toes, KPP fan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, he 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 goes on a first date with this girl, the wrong Missy. Um, it goes horribly wrong. She's terrible, very annoying, and just weird. Um, time passes. He's in an airport, meets another girl uh, named Missy at a bar, and then um, hits it right off with her, but she has to run off. All he gets is a phone number. Uh, Swartzen mixes up their numbers uh, when he decides he wants to invite her on his company getaway to Hawaii. The wrong girl shows up. The weirdo shows up. Um, Of course, she's terrible at first. Weirdo. And then she starts to help him out with all... All the Let me guess. Turns had. out she was the right Missy all exactly. along. Exactly. Um, then I watched it's season... the Missy. It's the Missy inside that counts. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's right. Uh, I also watched um, at Michael's encouragement season five, the final season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power on Netflix. Goodbye, my oldest enemy. We must be talked a lot about this in the past in this show and season five was pretty great they jam a lot in there um she-ra gets a definite upgrade she gets pants pants on she-ra and uh after she destroyed the um the sword the sword of protection at the end of last season they never really explain it but somehow she can summon, still summon the sword like magically and turn into She-Ra. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it's not really, I guess, in, the important thing they wanted to focus on. But uh, um, this season is all about 
Adora, She-Ra, the She-Ra character, um, in order to turn into She-Ra, she has to kind of be balanced out and focused on um, her emotional well-being almost. So, beginning of the season, Horde Prime has arrived. Um, Horde Prime has arrived to on Etheria to conquer the planet, steal their their ultimate weapon, the heart of Etheria. Um, he needs the princesses to, to and Shira to activate that. Things get really bad. Um, Shira, Glimmer, and Bo, the best friend squad, take off in an old ship into space. Um, because they are going to go rescue Katra, who Shira has, you know, uh, grew up with, but then Katra's on the side of the horde during the war and Shira changes or Adora changes over to the good guys, the rebellion. So they've been fighting for four seasons, um, back and forth. And then this is kind of the, uh, uh, the climax of that is the main storyline for this season. So, um, couple real thing, uh, newer characters, um, Natessa and Spinnerella, who were kind of background characters in, in past seasons are very much in the forefront. Um, it's already been established. They are married to each other, openly, uh, lesbian couple, uh, both have superpowers. Uh, Spinnerella gets, um, uh, sh- they call it chipped, but Hordak Prime, uh, she's the first one that he's able to like put an implant in the back of her net, neck, take over um, her body. She becomes part of the, the his hive mind, kind of, okay? She is able to infiltrate the rest of the rebellion while the, our heroes are out in space. And one by one, most of them are turned over to the Horde side. Um, by the time she gets back, uh, the rebellion has pretty much lost. There's very few of them left. And they're just hiding, okay? Um, while they're out in space, Catra, they rescue Catra. Um, she decides, kind of against her will almost, to be more open and less guarded um, with She-Ra and her newer, newer friends who she's hated and been at war with and done horrible things to. Um, and then at the, at the very end, I'm just going to spoilers, everybody. I know it just came out, but yeah, stick your fingers in your ears or up your nose, whatever you got to do. Uh, it turns out the whole story was really about the Adora Catra relationship. And they discover, um, they come to terms with the fact that they've been in love with each other the entire time and they are meant to be together and their love stays the universe and rids it of Hordak Prime. The end She-Ra. Nice. <laughs> About all the missies we made along the way. That's right. I watched that uh, Disney Plus short you mentioned out. The yes. Pixar short. I did very too. sweet. It it was excellent. Um, I because what I I had told you guys I thought I felt it was a big, a huge step for Disney Plus, um, putting that out there into the world. Was that supposed to debut 
before some movie that was coming out theatrically, or was it made for streaming? Uh, it was. I, I believe it's a series of of I forget what they're calling them, um, but of Pixar shorts. Um, but no, I don't believe it was made to debut uh, against a movie. I think it's just one, the latest in the series of shorts for Disney Plus. Um, but man, it, it was really good. I love those little short, uh, the, the amazing story they tell in such a, uh, a small film. They do it better than anybody Pixar does. And my daughter was, we watched it today and she was, uh, like four or five hours later, she was still laughing about <laughs> when, uh, when, when the guy, um, does a freaky Friday thing with the dog and they switch bodies and and the when the the dog is the man in the man's body and the way he was running back and forth and just swinging his arms wildly she she was on the floor loved it so well, we're running low on our zoom allotment folks so we'll I'll, let me throw a couple real quick things uh second season of what we do in the shadows is playing right now on fx we have been invited to our neighbor's superb owl body Hey, you guys made it. So, uh, how come we never see you guys around here during the regular season? They never seem to be around during the day. It's like they were uh, vampires or something. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. Okay, okay. Okay, We are Nadja and Laszlo, the human music group. Laszlo has always been quite musical. She's a superb lyricist. We're feeling honey from love. been experimenting with humor to drain energy. The main thing is that we all give 100%, except when it comes to donating blood. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently its ratings are way better because people are discovering it on Hulu. Yeah. All these FX shows are getting a second life on Hulu and people are going back and discovering the movie as well. So season two has been really strong and people are finally starting to notice. This is the mockumentary about the vampires living on Long Island or Staten Island, one of the islands. Um, Really excellent season. The episode about the curse he gets in the email made me laugh through the entire thing. It was, it was, it was amazing because they're very old and don't understand email very well. So he gets a chain letter. If you do not share this 10 times, this is not a joke. He's like, is he joking? <laughs> no, it says this is not a joke. So hilarious comedy, executive produced by Taika Waititi, our, our guy. Um, and then we got news today. Uh, John Krasinski's Some Good News has been taken over by Viacom CBS with what's being called a rich licensing deal. Yeah. So this is the, the internet show John Krasinski created during the quarantine to give uplifting content and be positive about the world he had a hamilton performance he had office multiple office reunions put together a virtual prom with a bunch of celebrities it was a huge hit during this strange period Mm -hmm. in time and now it's been purchased by a giant corporation and it's going to be dealt out to us uh (laughs) cbs all access has uh the exclusive first window for new episodes before it moves to other Viacom platforms. So it's not going to just be on YouTube anymore. You're going to have to find it somewhere. 
Krasinski is being replaced as the host, although he's staying on to be an executive producer and will have, quote, some kind of on-air presence. I watched all eight of these as, as they came out weekly, um, and they were some of my favorite things so far this year. I loved it. I, it was it you it, it was uplifting. It it was great and you could he he came off as you know so genuine and he seemed to care what about what he was doing and bringing, you know, some happiness where he could. And then for it to end this way was just it is so disappointing for me. Uh, cuz I watched that last episode the other day and he had this, you know, such a heartfelt kind of goodbye um for the series itself, you know, he said, I'm not going to do any more of these. We've done, you know, we've, we've brought you some, some happy stuff and, uh, had a lot of fun. And he was genuinely touched by the reaction he's gotten from all over the world and then playing the video clips, you know, families and kids had sent in. And then when I read that article, I was just like, nothing is sacred anymore. I saw some comments that, that, you know, it's true that I'm sure this is blown up beyond his ever imagining. And I'm sure it's a whole lot of work. So mm. when he gets back to normal, he's not going to have time to no, produce no, the no. show out of his living room. So it, it was, it was inevitable. That it was going to end and, you know, coordinating all the stuff, getting out, calling in all your favors out from celebrity pals and stuff. Like I'm sure it was way more work than he anticipated as well. That's, so. that's the thing. The magic to it is all those people that were willing to donate their time to perform and be on there for those favors. Who's going to want to do it. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to get that magic because nobody's going to want to volunteer their time for that. Right. So, but whatever. But just this weird pre-packaged uplifting corporate product mm. I, I i don't know i don't i don't see it happening yeah. for that yeah. same spontaneous feel that it had yeah. i don't need to know who cbs viacom decide what yeah. they decide is good news right well yeah. we will never sell out to cbs viacom you can take that one to the bank we'll see you next time here on kapow the pop culture podcast my name is jordan Lowe. i'm cliff barnes and i'm seth bye forever Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udownwithkpp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. You can connect with us through social media on Facebook, YouTube, at The Kapow Podcast on Twitter, or email the show, Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast at gmail.com. If you really want to go the extra mile, please sign up to be a patron through the Podbean app or our website, www.udownwithkpp.com, to receive special content and early access to some episodes. We are grateful to anyone that chooses to contribute, but please know that most of our content will always remain free, so please continue to like, comment, and share.